Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you can take them out and turn to Acts chapter 1, the, the, the kind of a message outlines right out there, the center doors at the ministry counter. We just started a series last week called Unstoppable. And if you weren't here last week, I would really encourage you to go to our website and listen to last week's message because it kind of sets up the entire series called Unstoppable, this whole series, which is a study that we're going to take us through the book of Acts and probably going to conclude sometime in the spring of next year. And we will find that the church, that you were meant to be unstoppable. Do you realize that? You were meant to be unstoppable. We're learning from this series that where maybe we moon from the principles uh, that made the church, the early church of the first century, unstoppable, changing the world in those, that 30-year time period. And so if you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 1, this morning we're going to talk about a difficult subject, submission, submission. And, and submitting one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? It's hard to submit. It's not easy. And yet submission is a key to effective life and service and ministry. It really is. It's hard because at the beginning of the fall of man, beginning of what happened, it was a difficult time because of our pride. Because submitting, to submitting to God and submitting to one another, none of us want to do that. We want our own deal. We want our own agenda. We want our own way, don't we? We want to do things our way, right? But that's not the way the early church was in Acts chapter 1. On just the eve, on just that kind of dawn of when the church would begin in Acts chapter 2 and God would send the Holy Spirit to come. I want you to notice in verses 12 and on, if you have your outline, three ways their submission is expressed. And the first way their, exp- their submission is expressed is, number one, submit to the commands of Christ. Submit to the commands of Christ. Let's be, read verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Let's stop there for a second. And remember in Acts chapter 1 from last week, Jesus gave them the command. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses, he said, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And that was where there were marching orders, right? And then, but not yet, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come, right? And so then Jesus ascended into heaven. So his presence was no longer going to be with them here on this earth. And his earthly ministry was finished. And Jesus is kind of passing the torch onto them and saying, now it's yours to finish. Now it's yours to complete. Now it's yours to carry this torch. That's what he's saying. And do a good job. And then he ascends into heaven is what the Bible tells us. But now they're still on the Mount of Olives. They're still there on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is just a mountain, kind of a mountaintop from the city of Jerusalem. It kind of looks over the city of Jerusalem. If you can look up the screen, I have a picture of the city of Jerusalem there. You look down at the bottom there, you can see the old walls there. You see that dome there. That's a Muslim mosque that's built right on top of where the temple used to be or where the temple mount referenced in Scripture. And they would walk down from the Mount of Olives and go up to the upper room, which the Bible says is a Sabbath stage journey. They were allowed to go a Sabbath stage journey. A Sabbath stage journey was usually the diameter of the city in which you were in. At that time, Jerusalem was seven-tenths of a mile. So from the Mount of Olives to that upper room was less than seven-tenths of a mile. And notice they're coming into the upper room in verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. This Judas is not the same as Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus the night before he was crucified. He's no longer with them. He's gone. 
Verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they go to this upper room, and this upper room is where they wait. And they would be submissive, is what, it, what the Bible's telling us. And there are three things we do when we're in submission. Submission to Christ's commands. And the first thing we do is obedience. That Jesus gave them one command. What do you say in verse 4? That they were to wait. So the upper room becomes this waiting room. Waiting till God sent the Holy Spirit and their church would begin. And they were to wait. But waiting isn't always easy, is it? Anybody with me on that? They ever go to a doctor's office and dentist's office? I hate waiting in, in their waiting room. Because it seems to me, I don't know why, but it seems to me, it's changed a little bit since COVID. But if you have an appointment at 9, they schedule someone at 845, 9.10, 9, 9.20. And you know the doctors can't get through them that quick, or the dentist. And you're there in the waiting room, you're, you're waiting. You're wondering, why? Why do they do this when they know they can't do it? And you just make you wait. Or in a store. I don't know about you, but I hate to wait in store lines. And it seems like every time I get in the store line, I'm in the slowest line in the store. <laughs> and, and I'm the type that I'm looking at all the other lines and I'm watching how fast they're moving and I'm grumbling to myself. You can ask my wife, I hate to wait. I just don't know, like to wait in lines. We'll be in a restaurant and if I have to wait in lines, oh, forget about eating. Let's go someplace else. I just don't like to wait. In the upper room, they had become a waiting room and waiting is hard. It's hard to wait for something, isn't it? you got to wait for something. Wait for a doctor to get back to you or something like that. If the people just waited. But waiting, they were to be obedient to Christ's commands. There were 120 people, including the 11 apostles. There were some women, Mary the mother, Jesus, and his brothers. Jesus' family during his earthly ministry, they weren't very supportive of his ministry and what he claimed to be. But now we see they're there with the rest of the disciples. And so they're waiting. So the first part of submitting to Christ's commands is obedience. And when Jesus gives us a command, when he makes a command, you just do it. When Jesus gives a command, we don't have to pray about it, do we? There's no need to pray about it. Why would you pray about something that Jesus commands us to do? What are you going to pray about? Should I do this or not? No, we just do it, right? When God commands something, when Jesus commands something, we just do it. So the second part, while in the waiting room, they joined together constantly, the Bible says, meaning they were one accord. Uh, they were all together with a common purpose and a common means of reaching that purpose. And this is huge. The churches are about ready to begin in the next chapter. Next week, it's ready to begin. They continue that unity. And we see that through the early days of the early church, they were unified. They were together. One of the oldest tactics of the wicked one, he used it in early church, we find in the book of Corinthians, and he still uses it today, is division where he causes division inside of the church. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with doctrine or God's word. It has to do with preferences and power struggles, doesn't it? Where division is in church. And as long as the church is divided, it's neutral and it's going nowhere. Because all the energy is used in defending their position and digging in and in this tug of war. And it's just horrible when that happens, just horrible. So the Bible tells us they were joined together constantly. Their one accord means they were united. They were united. Their third part in the waiting room is they prayed. They prayed. When you're in the waiting room, better than looking at out-of-date magazines is to pray, right? You can see I don't like waiting rooms. But it's, it's to pray. We're to pray. I can only imagine why they're in that waiting room, in the upper room, and they're praying what their prayers might have been. Perhaps they're praying for the, the Holy Spirit that they're promised that would come in verse 8, chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It was not yet to come, but they were praying. Praying for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And when they prayed for that, uh, they, it, it happened, right? Their prayers were going to be answered. 
So they wouldn't have to pray that anymore after Acts chapter 2. Because Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And you and I don't need to pray for that anymore because he came and he never left and he's still here. So we don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit come. He's here. He's here, right? So our prayers include other things. But now they're in the waiting room and they're, they're praying. They're praying. And while in the waiting room, there may be kind, all kinds of opportunities for division. But we don't do that. We cling together, right? Based on a common goal. And, and based on a common means of reaching that goal. We're, we're all together. The Bible says one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We're together, right? Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. They were submitted. Submitting is the key to effective life in ministry. And it's, it's the key to getting along as husband and wife. It's the key of getting along in, in the workplace. It's the key of getting along in a church. Submitting, submitting. It's so important to submit. The second way their submission is expressed, number two, is submit to godly leadership is what happened here. Submit to godly leadership. In verse 15, it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120 people. And Peter was one of the inner circle of Jesus. Peter, James, and John was the inner circle. And Jesus poured his life into them. Now we find Peter is taking some of a leadership position. He's speaking to the group. He will continue to do that, but along with other people. But on this day in the upper room, he's taking that leadership position, and he's speaking. And he says, beginning in verse 16, Brothers, the Scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadema, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So let's stop there. When we submit to godly leadership, it involves, first of all, understanding God's sovereign authority. And that's what he's talking about, God's sovereign authority. We read these verses, and Peter, when he's saying, he said it has to happen. This has to be fulfilled. And he's quoting from the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. From Psalm 69, verse 25, and he's also quoting from Psalm 109, verse 8. Frankly, as I said earlier, submitting is one of the hardest things to do. And it's hard to do in a church too, right? It's hard to submit into church, in part because of the way our country was constituted and the way our country was formed. We were put together as a republic democracy, and where we keep hearing these words, our country is of the people, by the people, for the people. The power's in the people, right? And we all say, yes, the power's in the people. The reason that system was established, because of distrust. That they didn't trust, coming out of Europe, they didn't trust the leaders. They didn't trust the king. So what happened, they, they were going to have this division of powers for checks and balances. That's why they did this, for checks and balances. So what they say, what's good for our country must be good for the church, right? That's what people say, except for the fact that it's not biblical for our churches. It's not biblical at all. We don't find that. Matter of fact, we find the opposite. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the foundation and cornerstone of the church. Amen? He's the foundation of cornerstone of the church. So it was not established with distrust, but it was established with trust, that we totally trust in Jesus, amen? 
And he's a cornerstone of their faith. He's a cornerstone of the church, the foundation of the church, right? So the leadership was established and were appointed, and they met the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And it was their duty, those leaders, to follow Jesus. And it was the people, the congregation's duty to follow them. That's the way God set it up. That's the way it was. And one of the hardest verses in the Bible, the New Testament, that we find, probably one of those ones that are most ignored, is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Let me read it to you. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. We don't preach that too often here as elders because that's kind of self-serving, isn't it? We, we, don't, we don't do that. You don't hear me talk about that. Because often when it is preached, it's in the wrong time because there's division and there's insurrection. And so this verse is kind of used as a weapon to control the masses, isn't it? Many times when you hear it, that's what it's done. Aren't you glad we can share that verse today in the context of unity? That we have unity today so we can share that verse that we're to submit, and that we're to submit to the leaders that God has placed over us. And hopefully you understand that, that God has placed leaders over us in everywhere we go. But I hesitate to say this because the leaders, they say, has to be godly. That Paul writes to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. For myself and the rest of the elders, the Bible says, obey and follow as we follow Christ. There may be a time where I or one of our leaders either do something or make a decision where we no longer meet the qualifications, where it may be a moral failure or something like that may happen. And, and hopefully, if it happens to me, that I would step up and say, you know, I'm no longer qualified to be the pastor of Crossroads Community Church. And if I'm not, the, help, the elders would have to help me with that decision. It had to happen. Or if I change my doctrine. You know, some pastors today are changing their doctrine. They're going away from the Bible, and they're not teaching the Bible. And if I was ever to do that, if I was able to start, start teaching my own theology and get away from the Word of God and start teaching something else, then that would have to happen. And I, hopefully I would step up and say, no longer got to be the pastor here. Or the elders would have to come along and say, Doug, we love you, but we're sure going to miss you, right? That would have to happen. I mean, it would if those things happen. Because this church is found upon Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And nothing's more important than that. No leader's more important than that. No pastor, no elder's more important than that. So I'm asking you to pray for me and pray for our elders, that we would follow Christ and you would be able to see that. And then you would be, be willing to follow the leadership at Crossroads Community Church. I pray for that. We find that as a sovereignty of God. We find that in the Bible, sovereignty of God. But we also see they recognize the failure of Jesus. As well, I mean, failure of Judas, I'm sorry, Judas failure of Judas. Judas had failed. We find here there are two things that are talked about in this failure. One of them they talk about here is a field. Remember, he took the money that he received from betraying Jesus, and he threw it down at their feet. It wasn't because of repentance. We find out from Scripture it was because of remorse. Remorse. So he took the money, and he threw it down at the feet of the religious leaders. And the leaders of the synagogue, the chief priests, took that money, and the Bible says they bought a field. They pro probably bought it in the name of Judas, and it, it was his money. And the field was called Academa, which is field of blood. Think about that. The field's name is field of blood. And that field would always be a reminder of a field that was bought, and the price was betraying Jesus. And Judas' name is always 
been reminded throughout the ages and acquainted with betrayal and treason, hasn't it? You don't find many parents, many people naming their children Judas today. Because they understood this. They understood what he did. They understood what he did, that he betrayed Jesus. They also understood the list of apostles had to be 12. They needed 12 men. There were only 11, so somebody needed to step into that, uh, that place and be that 12th one. The reason, because it was prophesied in the Old Testament that that place had to be filled in Psalm 109, verse 8. And that's what Peter was saying. It had to be filled. So also we find that there has to be, a, that person had to be qualified to fit that, to be able to fit with the other apostles. So they had to have been with Jesus. They had to have been with Jesus from the time of John the Baptist and on. They had to walk with Jesus, and they had to see and witness the resurrected Christ. So that kind of narrowed who they could choose, right? But they had to find someone to fit in that group with the rest of the apostles. There had to be 12. They understood that. I want you to also notice that submission, the submission is a key to life and service. We've got to submit. All of us have to submit to Christ's commands and to leadership. The third way their submission is expressed is submit to the Lord's will. They were to submit to the Lord's will. Let's read beginning with verse 23. So it says, So they, this group of 120, but probably 11, proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to where he belongs. Notice that Judas wasn't being replaced because he was dead. Judas was being replaced because of his decision to betray Jesus. That's why we're replacing him. Verse 26, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Obedience and spinning to the Lord's will, that's what we have to do. We all want the Lord's will, right? That's the time where you say right, right? We all want the Lord's will, right? Right, right, amen, yes, yes we do, we all want his will. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to do our own thing, do we? We want to seek his face on big decisions and small decisions. Guess what we want? We say, Lord, show me what you want me to do. That's what we ask. Hopefully that's what you ask. Some of his revealed will is found in the word of God, right? We find a lot of it in the will of God. I believe strongly that if we are obedient to God's uh, declared will, the will of God, the word of God, some of the things that we desperately know, he, would de- he will help us to understand his undeclared will. Those things that we need to know, like uh, to buy a house or not to buy a house. What job should I take? Who should I marry? Uh, should I transfer? Should I, should I uh, have children or not have children or whatever to marry? Or all those kind of things. God gives us his undeclared will, and he shows us that. And all that God will speak to us, he will speak to the desires of our heart. And I believe that presupposes that you and I are submitting to God's declared will. This is his declared will, the word of God. Because we need to be submitted to this so we can know his undeclared will. So let me ask, let me share this with you so you understand what I'm talking about. Many times, Christians, believers, oh, that can't happen. But it does happen. And you know it. That sometimes believers don't read the word of God all the time and they're not submitting to it. And so they're not submitting to God's word. They're not reading his word. They're not in his word. But some situation comes in their life, and now they're praying for God to guide them and show them your undeclared will. Should I take this job? Should I do, 
buy that home or whatever it may be. Where should I send my kids to school or whatever I should do? Any decision like that. And we're asking for God's undeclared. God, show me what you want me to do in this area. Well, if we haven't been obedient to God's word over here, why would we be obedient to God's will over here? More likely, we're going to say, oh, God, you want me to do it? Well, I want to do my own thing. Because we're doing our own thing over here by disobeying his word. So we're probably going to do the same thing over here. See, God wants us to be obedient to his declared will, the word of God. And we're obedient to this because every day we have to make decisions in our life, right? So we're obedient to God's declared will as we're walking and living life and making decisions every day, little, small, big decisions. God will lead us and guide us to make the right decisions, make good decisions that are according to his will, his way, and his desire for our lives. We're obedient to this. If we're not obedient to this, most decisions we're making are we're making on our own because we're living on our own as we, as we go. So as we're making decisions during the day, we're, we're making decisions. We're not looking really for God's undeclared will in that situation. God, what do you want me to do here? We want to do our own thing anyway. We may pray, but we're looking to do our own thing anyway. We've already made our mind up. So we must be obedient to his declared will. Hopefully you understand that. That's really important. So when we seek these other things, we know we're walking with him. And we know we're going to get, make good decisions based on God's will that he has for our lives. Many years ago, there's this story, and you probably heard of this story, but there's a reason I'm sharing this at the, at the end point of this. There was a captain of a ship in, in a dark, misty fog that he saw lights up ahead, and he saw that uh, there was a collision course that was about to happen. So he sent us, told his signal man to, to send out a signal to the other vessel with lights and that they need to turn away. So the signal man sent a signal, says, turn 10 degrees to the south. Immediately, he got a response, and they said, no, you turn 10 degrees to the north. This made the captain very mad, so he said, send another signal back and tell them, ten, ten, turn 10 degrees to the south. This is the captain. Well, he got a response right back, says, no, you turn 10 degrees to the north. This is Seaman Third Class Jones. So now the captain is very, very angry, and he says, I want you to send them a signal and say, you turn 10 degrees to the south, we're a battleship. They get a response back saying, no, you turn 10 degrees to the north, we're a lighthouse. And I share this with you, you probably heard the story, with all the voices you hear and all the challenges to submit, there's a lighthouse. There's a lighthouse out there. And all of our agendas and all of our submission is superseded by a lighthouse. And that lighthouse is God in his word. Amen? It's God in his word is the lighthouse for us. And we desperately want his will, right? We desperately seek him, his will. So we look to him. But why would we look to him? Why do we, you ever think, why do we look to him? It tells us here in verse 24, the word you. It gives us the reason why we look to him. Lord, you know everyone's heart. There's an emphasis there that's saying, Lord, you and only you know everyone's heart. You see that? God, you and only you know everyone's heart. That's why we seek him. So we seek God. We submit to the will of God because he knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. And so it was God who knew the heart of Barsabbas. It was God who knew the heart of Matthias. So they submitted to God and they asked God, God, show us your choice. You show us your choice because you know their hearts. We don't. May I encourage all of you that you always seek the will of God and then submit to it. Just don't seek it, but submit to the will of God because he knows our hearts. 
He knows what's best for us. We don't know everything that's going on. God knows our hearts. He knows our motives better than we do. And many times we ask for things with wrong motives or asking things that we don't need or we shouldn't be doing. And God says, I know your heart and I know what's best for you. So we submit to him. So we pray like they did in this passage. And the way we pray is, God, show us. Show us what you want us to do. We won't move till you show us. So that's how we pray. That's the way you should pray. God, what do I do in this? Show me. I'm not going to do anything to you. Show me. I'm not going to step out till you show me what you want me to do here. What they did at that time, we assume from the passage, that they both of these men were equally qualified, and they were asking God to show them. And what they did, they cast lots. And, and this goes back to the practice in the Old Testament and a verse that says that casting out lots, the will of God is known. They find that in the book of Proverbs. So they cast lots, and probably what happened, there were two stones. And on one stone, they, they wrote Barsabbas, the name of Barsabbas. And the other stone, they wrote the name of Matthias. They put it in a jar, and they shook the jar. And when they poured out the stones, the first stone that came out would be the will of God. That was the will of God. They believed that. They trusted that. They prayed about that, that that would happen. And that it's interesting because the only other time that we find that is being used in the New Testament where it was practiced was when the soldiers were gathered around the cross and they were casting lots for the clothing of Jesus. That's the only other time we find that. We don't find that was practiced in the early church at all. It wasn't practiced at all. We don't find it. In fact, now that decision's been made, theologians and people have said, you know, uh, you find from that teachings from the section that people write about, they said, you know, they made a mistake. They shouldn't have chose that 12th person. They shouldn't have filled that 12th position because they said they should have been left open because God had in mind, who? The Apostle Paul to fill that. And some people said they should never have done that. That was a, wrong. That was a mistake. The Apostle Paul was supposed to fill that position. Others say, well, this is the way you determine God's will as we vote on it to determine his will. And many have established from these verses kind of a congregational form of government from this, where we vote on everything, the people's choice. They vote on everything. And that's how you find out God's will. It's the people's choice. The majority rules they find out. But that's not what it says here, is it? It's not what it says here at all. It says they prayed and they trusted God. Not that they got the people's choice. They prayed and they trusted God. What I love about this, and when you see this, that the people accepted this as the will of God. They accepted this. This is God's will. We prayed about it, and this is what God did, so we accept it. I think that if this was to happen today, and we say we're going to go up in the upper room to determine who God wants to come on, I think what would happen today, because our culture and society we live in, we'd have some on one side would probably make a sign up for Matthias and hold up their sign. We want Matthias, right? We want Matthias. He's our man. Oh, he's a godly man. He'll be a great leader. In other words, on the other side, we have a sign. We want Barsabbas. He's our man. He's more godly than Matthias. He'd be a greater leader. should have seen what he's done. And they'd list all the things that he's done and all that, because that's who we are. We kind of kind of petition, and we want our person selected, right? Because that's the society we live in. You don't find that here. That's not what happened at all. They didn't do that at all. They are trusting God. They're saying, God, show us your choice. Show us. And then they accepted it. No one challenged it. They accepted what the leaders did. They accepted that. And no one challenged it. Have you ever prayed to God for something, and God made it very clear his choice in the matter, this is what I want you to do, but it wasn't your choice. It wasn't what you wanted. So maybe you think, man, 
Maybe I prayed the wrong way. Maybe I need to change my prayer and pray a different way, and I get a different result, the result that I wanted. Because I have a certain result that I want, and God didn't answer it that way. So I want this certain result. You ever do that? You don't find them doing that here at all. They didn't do that at all. We seek the will of God. Submitting. Submitting. That's what they did. Because submitting is the key to effective life and service. Submitting to the commands of Christ. Submitting to godly leadership into the Lord's will. We submit, right? It's no wonder that when the Holy Spirit came, this group of people in the early church were ready to work because they were already submitted. They already learned about submission, ready to submit. There was no complaints. There was no arguments. They were willing to submit. God, whatever you want to do, we're willing to do it. And I would ask you today that you would pray for me and pray for the elders, that we'd be godly, godly leaders, and that we would submit and pray for our congregation Pray for all of us that we'd be willing to submit to the commands of Christ, to leadership, and to God's will in all things. As I said from the beginning, submission is extremely hard. Right now, across our nation, we see many people not willing to submit to authority. Many of the cities, many of the larger cities, and what do you see happening right now? Chaos. Chaos. When we aren't submitting to the authorities that God has established, we find chaos. Remember, submission is the key to effective life in ministry, to effective life in service. We have to submit. And God has given us the way in the church. He said you submit to Christ's commands, submit to the leadership, and submit to God's will in all things. And that's the way God has set it up. That's the way he set it up. So we all have to submit. We all have to submit to one another. We come, don't look for our way, but we submit. And we want God's will and crossroads. It's not one person. It's not mine. I'm the pastor. It's God's will what we look for. God, your will be done. Show us what you want us to do. And that's what we pray. And that's what I ask you to pray. God, you show us what you want us to do, our next steps. So we pray that God show us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, come and we praise you. We praise you, God, that... You're a God who knows all things. And Lord, sometimes you ask us to do hard things. But Lord, when we look at your life, you were willing to submit to the Heavenly Father. And you didn't look that it reduced your standing or anything. But you looked at it as the right thing to do. That you came here in submission to God the Father to carry out God the Father's plan and will for what was going to happen, even to the point of going to the cross and dying on the cross and all that you went through for us. And we thank you so much, Jesus, for you giving us the example of submitting. Submitting doesn't mean we're less than someone else. It just means that you just told us to submit to authority that is over us. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us would look at our own hearts and be willing to submit to Christ's commands, to leadership, and, Lord, to do your will. That, Lord, I pray that every one of our hearts are bent and want to do your will, want to have your will in our hearts and minds. So, Lord, our prayers are constantly, Lord, show us. Show us your will. Show us your way. Show us what you want us to do. Show us the desires of your heart. Give us your desires, Lord, that would be in our own hearts so we follow you in every step, everything that we do. Lord, I pray for our elders. I pray for myself and the elders. Lord, help us to be the, the men that you've called us to be as leaders, that we are followers of Christ. Keep, keep, keep us, Lord, walking with you in purity in our hearts and minds. Uh, protect us, Lord. 
And I pray for the rest of the congregation, Lord. I pray for all of us that we be unified in all that we do. Bring unity in our church. Lift us up, Lord, and be unified for what you have us to do. We may accomplish all that you have for us. We may accomplish your will in our, in our church and in our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, you would understand that Jesus loves them, and he died on the cross for their sins. And today, Lord, they'd understand if they put their faith and trust in Jesus, they would find forgiveness of sins. I pray that this morning for them. They put their faith and trust in Jesus and find forgiveness of sins and eternal life through Christ. I pray for all of us. We realize that God is a God of order. And everything, all through Scripture, through the book of Acts, he's laying it out for the people. In order to be united, submission was required for effective life and service of ministry. And all of us be willing to submit, be willing to submit to Christ. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.